Thank you for listening to this chapel message, originally presented at Clark Summit University in Clark Summit, Pennsylvania. With more than 70 on-campus and online programs, Clark Summit University prepares Christ-centered, career-ready graduates to make a difference around the world. We hope this is an encouragement to you today. Well, good morning. It is an absolute honor for me to be able to be with you today and just be able to share um, with you Uh, what God has done in my life and really what he can do in your life. Um, It's hard for me actually to imagine that 30 years ago I sit where many of you are sitting today. Some things have changed. Um, There are some professors that I look around and I see that are still here. But there's a lot of things that have changed and some things haven't changed all that much. Maybe we've grayed a little bit over the years and we now have more facial hair or something like that because we couldn't then. Um, We did have to shave it off every day, that's true. I guess we had it, we just had to hide it. Um, But I really appreciate CSU and what it has meant to me over the years and to my family. one of the things that I've always appreciated about CSU is not only the professors that pour into your life in class, but also do so out of class. And even after you graduate from college, from seminary, uh, the professors that you have grown and built relationships with continue to model and care about you and invest in your life. And uh, I'm just very appreciative of that. This is actually though where I met uh, my wife. And so I'm very thankful for this place for that as well. It was actually in volleyball class uh, that I met my wife. And so I don't know if uh, Sherry Holloway's in here. I haven't seen her. I didn't. But uh, thankful to her because of having that class. And uh, that's where I met my wife. And so I'm very thankful for that. Several, a couple of my, uh, uh, couple of my kids graduated from here. Um, I have one that's here now. And so this place over the years has meant a lot to us. When I was a youth pastor, we came here for a student leadership conference every year. Um, even when we left and we went to Awana, we uh, continued to bring students from our, from our church that we were part of to TLC. And this place, again, over the years, over the last 30 plus years, um, has been pouring into our life and into the lives of the people that, that we have been involved in discipling and shepherding for, for many years. So we're very thankful and, and uh, really I'm kind of blown away at the opportunity to be here because really uh, I am nothing special. <laughs> and so I stand before you today really kind of humbled at the opportunity to be able to, to be able to share and to be able to speak with you. Uh, recently, as Dr. Lytle shared, uh, we, my wife and I have stepped into a role with ABWE, and we are Africa coordinators, and that's a fancy title that means they really couldn't come up with another name for this position, so they said Africa coordinator. And what that means that we do is we really work with uh, local churches and missionaries, helping them get to the field and then to stay on the field. A lot of missionaries have issues that they struggle with that cause them to end up leaving the church, their sending church, their field. And so our job really is to work with them, to shepherd and disciple them, to help them to maintain a spiritual growth, also mentally issues, emotional issues, spiritual issues, all of those things 
for my wife and I to be able to work with those couples, those individuals, really to help them continue to serve the Lord in Africa. We'll also be going to Africa a couple of months out of every year, visiting those missionaries firsthand on the field. And so if you have, some of you in here may be interested in missions, and I want to encourage you after chapel today, during your lunch break, we'll be over in the cafeteria. We have a little display set up there. If you want some information about uh, doing a short-term trip, doing an internship, learning about ABWE, uh, please stop by. That way we can just talk to you guys about an opportunity to serve the Lord uh, internationally. Because one of the things that is truly amazing is to see uh, some of the devastation, the poverty that people live in, but then what Jesus can do in their life. To be able to see them come to know Christ as their Savior and how that changes not only their life, but also their entire village. And uh, to have you be able to experience something like that, I think would be truly awesome in your life. But the question really today is this. When I sat here 30 years ago, I never in my mind imagined that I would be serving missionaries in Africa. If you had asked me five years ago if I thought I would be serving missionaries in Africa, I would have told you, you're out of your mind. That was not on my radar screen. I had no idea that that is where God was going to direct me. When I was in uh, college, I really felt I was going to go into youth ministry, and that was where I was going to plant myself, and I was going to be in youth ministry for my entire life. I was going to be a youth pastor, and then I was going to disciple other people working within young people, with young people, and that's what I was going to do. And I was confident of that. But I want to step back from that a little bit because, like I said, I never imagined that's where I would be. But as I stand before you today, I mentioned to you earlier, I am just an average person doing an average thing that God takes and does amazing things. I grew up in a, in a Christian home. Uh, I went to church from the time that I was just a few days old. But when I was six months old, uh, my, my father, my biological father, uh, decided that I really didn't have much value in this world because I was six months old and I couldn't work. And so actually threatened to throw me down the stairs because I didn't have any value. And my mom and dad at that point separated and they divorced. And uh, a year and a half later, my mom remarried John Loro, who then adopted me. And uh, I am no longer a Hawkins, which is my birth name, but I am a Loro because I was adopted. And that was something over the years that I realized, I didn't realize how meaningful that was until I got older, until I started understanding how God adopts us as his children. Because we're born in sin, but yet God, in his sovereignty, 
saves us and adopts us and makes us his children. Just like John Loro adopted me and made me his son. But when I was five years old, uh, my dad decided that he was going to join the Navy. And so we moved all across the country. Uh, We lived in California for a while. We then lived in South Carolina. We lived in Virginia. Uh, We moved to Iceland. Yes, I lived in Iceland for four and a half years. That's where I actually graduated from high school. Um, But it was when we lived in Virginia that I... I came to know the Lord as my Savior. I started memorizing God's Word in our Awana program that we had at our church and uh, really recognized that God's desire for me after I came to know the Lord as my Savior was to be in full-time ministry. And he wanted me to work with young people and to disciple and to shepherd those that had a heart to serve the Lord. And so I started going in that direction, but when I went to Iceland, I don't know if any of you during your high school years kind of drifted away from what it was that God intended for you to do, but I kind of drifted away and things kind of, uh, I, I decided because I was also very good with business and, and I'd done, I actually, it was a weird thing, but I actually did the school books like when I was in high school. When I was a senior in high school, I basically did all of, the only thing I didn't do was sign the checks. I did everything else. And so I thought I needed to go to Cedarville University and to become an accountant. I'd always thought I'd either go to BBC at the time, at, which now CSU, okay, for those of you who didn't know, this used to be BBC, and so I will probably refer to it as BBC just because that's what it was when I was here. But it was either Cedarville, Liberty, or BBC. And I was like, I'm going to go to Cedarville because I'm going to be an accountant and I'm going to make lots of money. So I went to Cedarville. And it was during that time when I was at Cedarville uh, that I actually had some uh, friends that their first priority was not really in honoring the Lord. And uh, I was supposed to go out with them one evening and apparently they couldn't find me, apparently. Um, And they ended up going out that evening and the next morning I went and I looked for them and I was so aggravated with them because they bailed on me and they just took off. And I found out that they got kicked out of school. Because that evening, they had gone out and they had been involved in some activity that got them kicked out of school. And I was supposed to go with them. And I would have gotten kicked out of school. And I really look back at that moment as God protecting me from something that I didn't realize was going to happen. But if I had gone out with those friends that night, my life would be dramatically different. Because I never would have, I would never would have come to CSU. I never would have met my wife. Things would have been totally different. You know what? My life would have been totally different if when I look back and my biological father never divorced my mother my life would be dramatically different. You sit here today as young people with a lifetime ahead of you, imagining all the things that God can do in your life. And there are things that God has done in your life 
and will continue to do in your life that even though you don't understand it is preparing you for what you're going to do in the future. Because even now as we look at our role with ABWE and we look back over 30 years, 50 years, I'm over 50, it's hard to believe that, that I'm over 50 years old and I look back at all of these things and it's like God took each one of these steps in my life to prepare me to do the ministry that he wants me to do now. And how amazing that is to just even consider what he's doing. And so it was after, while we were at Cedarville, I ended up, because of uh, just some of the friends that I was associated with and some of the things that that uh, God was stirring in my heart at that time, I realized that I really was pursuing my own dreams. And I remembered what God had called me to do when I was 13 years old. And so I ended up transferring and coming to uh, BBC. And, and I have to tell you, when I first came to BBC, I was not very happy. I didn't, I didn't like it. I didn't like the rules. I thought some of the professors were out of their mind. I wasn't very good academically. My first semester here, I was put on academic probation. I mean, I almost got put out of school because my grades were so bad. I mean, things like, and, and I know, because I, I know things have changed. And so some of you are like, well, that's crazy. I, I, I hear you. I mean, we, they used to make us wear socks to class I mean those were really important standards that we had back then to make us wear socks to class when you got to be a junior or senior you had to wear a tie every day to class and I was again I didn't like being here and so I would oftentimes not wear socks I know there were even times when I went to school and I had a tie underneath my sweater that was not tied, but I had a tie on. And I'll never forget, there were a lot of lessons that I learned during that time, and God really molded and shaped me during my time at CSU. But actually, one of the things that Dr. Lytle said in, uh, I think it was BBL, was it's not about the grade that you earn in this class, but it's about the character that God develops in you. Now, I don't know if he continues to say that to this day or not, but I know I was sitting there as a young man thinking, I'm barely passing, and uh, He's talking about, it's not about the grades, and I'm like, amen to that. I am about the character, and I want my character to be something that's going to bring honor and glory to God. And there were things in my life at that point that changed. We, I started dating my wife, and uh, she actually broke up with me uh, during that time. I know it's hard to believe, but she broke up with me, and uh, 
she, she used the good, it, girls, if you're ever wondering a good line to say to, you know, a boyfriend that you're like, I don't know. She, just, she told me, I'm not sure that you're God's will for my life. Apparently from the guy moan, some of you have heard that, okay? So my reply to that was, well, I'm sure enough for both of us that, that it is God's will for my life. Um, that didn't work because we ended up breaking up and uh, it was probably about a year and a half, two years later, God just continued to work in me and, and grow me and shape me uh, to be more conformed into the image of his son that eventually, after years of chasing Eileen, she finally said, okay, because of what God had been doing in my life. And so we got married, and uh, I ended up going to Columbus, Ohio, where I served as a youth pastor. I had served as a youth pastor, actually, while I was in college here, and I, I lived off campus. Um, I worked at a church down in Wilkesbury and commuted back and forth every day. And uh, when my wife and I got married, we uh, graduated from seminary and went to uh, Columbus, Ohio, where I served as a youth pastor for 11 years. And uh, we loved our time there. And uh, we were very thankful for the many years of, of faithful service and working with these young people and just seeing what God is doing in their life. And many of them today are actively serving the Lord in their local churches. Some pastors, missionaries, um, music leaders, sports director, ministry leaders in their, in their local churches. And then God, for some reason, uh, decided to change our course a little bit because it was during our years in, in uh, Columbus, um, we had two children by the time that we moved there. Uh, I had a daughter, Emily, who is not here. Our youngest daughter, Elise, is here. Uh, but our daughter, Emily, was born, and when she was born, she was born with spina bifida. And uh, for those of you who don't know what that means, when she was born, she actually had a hole in her back where her spine, instead of growing straight down, actually curves out. And so Emily has no feeling in her feet or in her legs. And uh, we had no idea, but at the time, there were two hospitals in the country that were the best for dealing with children with spina bifida, and one of those was in Columbus, Ohio. And so we had the opportunity to be there and to uh, have some of the best medical care for our daughter that we could have had. And I'll never forget um, somebody mentioning to us at that time that God must think you guys can really handle a lot in your life. And I was like, well, that's kind of an odd thing to say who just had a child born with spina bifida. And, and this woman was like, no, because that, that takes a lot to have a child with special needs. And God knows exactly what you can handle. And he's given this to you because he knows that you can handle it. And to be able to care for this, for this daughter of yours. And so Emily isn't here with us today. She's actually home. She's home by herself, which is actually a, a good thing, but she'll have friends that'll come over and things like that. But 
another major event that happened um, in my life, it actually happened when I was in seminary, was, if you guys remember, I mentioned to you that I was adopted by John Loro. And uh, for, in all practical meanings, that was, he was my dad. That was the only father that I ever really knew. And when I was in seminary, my dad was in a car accident and passed away. And again, one of those kind of strange comments that people make when you're going through hardships was, wow, that's so amazing. I'm like, what? Why is that so amazing that my dad was in a car accident and passed away? No, how, how God brought John Loro into your life when you were two years old. And now that you're, quote unquote, a man at 23 years old, God took him out. Isn't that amazing how God brought him into your life to help shape you and mold you into who he wants you to be? I was just like, I was kind of blown away by that because it was like, I, I never really thought about it like that before. A few years after Emily was born, and I know I'm kind of jumping around a little bit, but just to kind of paint this picture for you, my mom decided because of Emily's situation with her special needs that my mom was going to move to Columbus. I was an only child. Um, my mom, my dad, John Laura, was never able to have children, but I was his son because he adopted me. My mom never had any other children, so I was an only child. And so when Emily had her special needs, and since my dad had passed away, she decided that she was going to move to Columbus to help care for Emily. And it was about a year and a half after Emily was born uh, that my mom was diagnosed with ovarian cancer. And so it was during those last nine months of her life that she lived with us and we were able to care for her. And if my mom hadn't have moved to Ohio, she would have been living here because she still lived in Wilkesbury. And it would have been very challenging to be in Columbus, Ohio and to my mom having all these health issues here. But God again directed all of those things in his plan. And part of my reason for sharing these things with you today is this. I know that many of you go through challenges and hardships. And some days, things just seem like they are way too hard. But can I tell you, God is faithful. He will never give you more than what you are able to handle. It's what 1 Corinthians 10.13 tells us. He will never tempt you more than you are able. He's not going to put more on your plate than you can handle. But I want to add something to that. Because it isn't just something that you handle on your own. It's something that you handle with him. Because, see, when we do try to handle it on our own, guess what? It is, the weight is unbearable. And we will be crushed by the pressures of life. 
And I don't, I don't know most of you. There's a few of you in here that I do know. But most of you, I, have, I don't know anything about your life. But I do know that there is hardships that you have gone through and there will be hardships that you will go through again in the future. But God in his faithfulness to you is never going to give you more than what you are able to bear with his help. Don't try to go through life alone. Don't try to be a lone ranger. Don't think that you're all that. Because at the end of the day, you're not. You're nothing without Jesus. And so, to continue on, we had these ministry years, we had these things that were happening, and then God called us to serve here with ABWE, and for, for the longest time, we were like, God, why are you calling us to this ministry? Because, frankly, we don't get it. And after praying about it for a long time, we, we finally, I'll say, got it. Because I can look back at a lot of things that, that have been done, and, and as I mentioned, I'm just an average, I was an average student. I didn't, I didn't rise to the cream of my class. Um, I'm not an amazing preacher. But the one thing that I strive to do is with each step that I take, to follow the Lord, to be faithful. Now, does that always happen? Do I make mistakes? Yeah. When I was in Iceland, um, they used to always joke around because the wind is pretty strong in Iceland. I don't know if you guys, how much you know about that. And in Iceland, there were five categories of storms, blizzards. Um, there were one through five, you know, nothing fancy. But basically, five was nobody's allowed to leave no matter what. You have to stay in your house. One is, yeah, you can see a little bit. And, and basically, one would be like probably the worst storm that, that we have around here. It's bad. The snow doesn't come down this way in Iceland, okay? In Iceland, the snow comes this way because of the wind. It just drives. And so if you walk outside and you don't have something over your face, you would actually get, you know, here we get sunburn, there we get windburn because it just, the wind is so pelting on your face. And so we would always joke around in Iceland, you, you try to take two steps forward before you go one step back. And that's often true in our own spiritual life. You know, are there going to be setbacks? Are there going to be challenges? Are there going to be times where, where we make the wrong decision and we do the wrong thing? Yes, there are. Let's be real about that. Let's not try to hide the fact that we're sinners. Yes, we're sinners saved by grace, but we still sin. And we still do wrong things. But rather than just sitting there and trying to hide it and not let everybody know about it, let's be real about it and let's recognize, yes, I'm, I may take a step back here every now and then, 
but I'm going to keep pressing forward. I'm going to keep moving forward because I, at the end of the day, I want my life to be one that is representing Jesus Christ and what he's doing. Hebrews tells us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Where are your eyes? What are you focused on? Are you focused on, I don't know what it is, but I'm going to follow Jesus? Or is it, you know what, I just want to get through today? Or I just want to get through this semester? I got to take this class. I get it. Believe me. I understand that. I just want to make it through whatever class it is that you're struggling with. Now, I was in seminary. One of the hardest things that, that, uh, that I had going on was I was in seminary. I was trying to, again, pass my classes. I had, I had a family because I was married at that point my last couple of years in seminary. I had a job where I was working at Domino's Pizza. I was a manager working 50 to 60 hours a week. Um, I was also youth pastoring at my church. And uh, every semester, I was just like, this is way too much. I have way too much on my plate. I need to stop doing something. And I was like, well, I can't stop being a husband. I can't stop being a dad. Can't quit my job because I have to provide for my family. I still believe that God wants me to be in youth ministry, and so I I can't quit my church. So the only thing that I can quit was seminary. (laughs) Right? Because... That was, I didn't have to have a seminary degree, but all these other things I had to do. But for some reason, God never allowed me to actually make the final decision to say, I'm done, I'm walking away. Now, I was able to manage to to get a three-year program. I was able to stretch that out into five. But each step, continuing to follow the Lord. I want to leave you with a passage of scripture today. That's Proverbs 16.9. Some of you in here may have memorized that at some point in your life. Proverbs 16.9 tells us the heart of man plans his way. But the Lord establishes his steps. You know what? I'm not telling you today, and don't leave here and think, well, Ken said we don't ever have to plan anything. That's not what I'm saying. I think it's good for us to make plans, to set goals, to be moving in a certain direction. But at the same time, we have to be willing and we have to be ready for the Lord to shift that focus and those steps in our life. Can I tell you today, I would love, I would love for my father and for my mother to still be alive, to watch our, grand, our, 
their grandchildren, their now great-grandchildren, grow. To see what God is doing in their lives and to see how they are faithfully serving the Lord. I would love for them to be here, for us to be able to get together and do things together as a family. And if I had my way, that's how it would be. And I know for every one of you here that there are things that have happened in your life that if that was your way, it'd be different. But man plans his ways. But God establishes the steps. God is going to direct your steps and be willing to follow that. So just three things that I want to to leave you with today before, before we go and before you either go to lunch or go to your next class. First of all, keep your eyes on Jesus. I already quoted, mentioned that verse to you, but keep your eyes on Jesus. When everything else seems to fail, keep your eyes on Jesus. I know it sounds simple. And you know what? At the end of the day, it is. Just keep your eyes on Jesus. Number two, God will do what he promises to do. So just keep being obedient to his word. Every day when you wake up, purpose in your heart to be obedient to his word and do what he tells you to do. Again, I know it sounds simple, but can I also tell you this? 95% of the people don't do simple. My, My wife and I, recently started a health journey. What does that mean? Well, it's a fancy word for a diet plan. And so in this diet plan, guess what? If you do what they tell you to do, guess what happens? You lose weight. It just happens. So we started this in February. And so every day we get these, these fuelings or whatever these things are, and so we eat them. And then we try not to eat anything else except for what you're supposed to eat. So we've been doing this for two months. And you know what? At the end of the day, it's not that hard. Do you know why it's not that hard? Because you just follow the plan. And when you follow the plan, I've lost 50 pounds in two months. Now, it's not that big of a deal. Some people are like, wow, that's amazing. How did you do that? Just followed the plan. The spiritual life doesn't have to be that hard. We, we constantly make it harder than what it needs to be. Keep your eyes on Jesus and follow the plan. Follow his word. And when we do that, guess what? Wow. Life is a whole lot easier, isn't it? I, well, look at what God did. Yes, why? Because I kept my eyes on Jesus and I followed the plan. Don't lose sight of that. Lastly, this kind of repeats what I just said, but keep keeping on. Just keep moving forward. One day at a time, one step at a time. 
And in years from now, when you look back from these chairs, you will be able to see how God used it for his honor and for his glory. Let's pray. God, I thank you for your faithfulness, not only in my life, but in the lives of so many of these students. And really, Lord, the only reason that I say so many of these students is because there are some students here that I know do not know you as their Savior and have no desire to follow you. Lord, I I pray that you would impress upon their heart today their need to trust you as their Savior and to follow your word, to keep our eyes fixed on you and to keep moving forward. Lord, I pray that you would bless these students. Thank you for Clark Summit University and for their 90 years of faithful ministry and training up people to serve you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Clark Summit University's Chapel Series. Visit www.clarksummitu.edu to learn more about CSU. Become a Christ-centered, career-ready graduate through on-campus and online degree programs. Look for us on social media, at Clark Summit U, and share your feedback.